This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Ravini Abbey, co-founder and CEO of Fizzy Voice. Ravini shares how her personal healthcare journey led to the motivation to create Fizzy Voice, a health tech startup aimed at cultivating more meaningful relationships between a patient and an allied health practitioner. We talk about how to bridge the patient-practitioner gap and how patients and practitioners can work together to co-design the treatment process. We also explore how AI combined with a more holistic, biopsychosocial approach to clinical practice can not only help predict a diagnosis, but also treatment recommendations and even highlight whether a patient is likely to show up to therapy, along with strategies to support adherence. If you're an early adopter of digital health innovation and interested in how you can remove the complexity and time costs in gathering data and history taking, combined with easier monitoring and feedback, you'll get a lot out of this discussion. Let's jump in. Well, hey, Ravini, how are you doing today? I'm good, Yanni. How are you going? I'm fantastic, thank you. Thanks very much for uh, coming along today to talk to us about uh, your journey into the magical world of startup and your particular startup project in um, Fizzy Voice. But before we get into Fizzy Voice, let's find out a little bit more about your journey. Tell us about Ravini. Where does this passion for Fizzy Voice come from? Thanks, Yanni. Um, so, well, my, my background's in uh, behavioral science, specifically in social psychology. I really started by doing a PhD in psychology, and um, I was really fascinated about people's attitudes and beliefs and how people's attitudes and beliefs um, can be changed through the power of psychology and persuasion. So that's um, my background, my educational background. But what really inspired me to come to where I am right now in the startup space um, with Busy Voice as well is my own patient journey um, during that degree. And really seeing how psychology and data analytics can really be leveraged um, to help patients engage in better health behavior. So that's what I'm actually really excited about now is how to leverage AI and psychology to really make a difference in the way people interact with the environment and the way people take care of their health. So that personal experience kind of drew on your background. You were doing some of the behavioral science, some of the uh, cognitive research and influence. You, you, there was a piece there in your uh, academic history, you're uh, sort of working through influence and what have you. When you're going through that health issue, did you have an aha moment? Was there sort of an epiphany that happened when you were going through your own experience and you thought, hey, there's another way to do this? Yes, I think it was a collection of different experiences that sort of accumulated over time that made me think in retrospect, oh, maybe there's a, there's a better way to do things. So in terms of my own personal journey, what I, I realized going through with um, a, a chronic condition for about two years was that I realized that I wasn't particularly taking care of my health and engaging in the exercises or the treatments that were given by my my clinicians. And that was because I was clouded um, by stress and the psychological impact of the condition. And so that sort of made me think as I was recovering, the stronger I became mentally, the better I was able to recover physically. And that sort of reinforced to me the 
massive relationship between mental and physical health, um, which is often overlooked in practice, but increasingly becoming important. That realization, that connection between the mental and physical health is what made me think, maybe there's a way to do things better. Maybe there's a way to find out if these psychological factors impact patients early on in the journey. Yeah, I, that resonates a lot with me. I, through my own personal health uh, journey as well, I've really understood that relationship. I kind of say to friends now that what happens in the mind happens in the body and what happens in the body happens in the mind. You know, it's it's very hard to just treat one specific thing without taking it into a more holistic kind of um, approach. I think from an individual standpoint, it sounds as though you've had a similar experience. Yes, definitely. I can 100% resonate with that. And I think it's that, that awareness, I guess, that self-awareness has really reinforce the um, in this impact of biopsychosocial approaches or holistic care like you mentioned. Um, there's so many things that go on rather than just the biological or the physical damage um, and how can we reinforce that physical health and get better while taking into account all of these other things that go on in the human mind. Was there something in the, in the way that the healthcare services that you're receiving were lacking is this sort of did you reach a point where you're sort of starting to identify a problem perhaps in the way that you as a consumer of healthcare services were hoping to receive services there's there's a lot of treatment that you can receive for chronic conditions right and i think that's one of the difficult aspects of the healthcare system is that you have your gp you might have a you know a surgeon so many different points of care and what i see is that making assumptions about what might affect the patient so, for example, giving a similar blueprint sort of treatment to everyone. And I think that is probably not the right way to go in terms of assuming that this patient will do a X certain behavior or take a X certain medicine. And I think that was difficult, especially because it wasn't taking into account the context in which this person was living. For example, is this person you know, for me, right, living away from home, not having access to a gym, not being able to do certain exercises or not being able to afford certain medicine, right, or afford certain treatment. And I think that lack of taking into account of the person's situation is what made me start thinking is, is there a way that we can do this better? Can we find out who this person is before even suggesting a treatment? Did you feel as though it was a, a diagnosis mismatch or an issue there with the way people were trying to help you? Did you, did you have to do a lot of that heavy lifting yourself? What, what was that part of it like? Yeah, I think I, I sought out a lot of things on my own as a result of that. Um, for example, firstly, trying to seek out psychological help. Um, straight away saying, you know, look, I, I think I need more help with improving my mental well-being so that I can then have the mental capacity to actually take care of my physical health. And so being proactive about it, um, which, which was difficult, of course, um, but I, I was lucky to have a couple of clinicians, um, a really good GP to help me lead me in that direction to say, look, you need to look for additional help and not just do this one particular treatment. And that journey took a long time. I always think, um, what if I could have shortened this from three years to one year? If you can get somewhere in, in a year rather than taking three years to kind of work it out, that, that's an incredible improvement in an outcome for, for anybody. So with Physic Voice, is there a solution within Physic Voice that goes towards addressing what you went through personally? Or have you, through your research, identified another area where that diagnostic input when you're discussing healthcare issues with your clinicians comes into it. Is there a sort of a straight line or is it sort of, tell me more about what inspired the Fizzy Voice startup? 
the idea has sprung up definitely from my personal experience. But then what I started doing was started reaching out to a lot of clinicians in the space because I had already had quite extensive um, physio, rheumatology, that type of treatment. So reaching out to clinicians to understand from their perspective what is going on. Because I think there's a lot of pressure on clinicians um, and clinicians are extremely busy. And what, what I realized from talking to a lot of the clinicians was that they want to be able to provide this context to a patient and understand the patient better so that they know what to do and what treatment to provide. But there's simply not much time. And, and if you look at how long an appointment is, right, the, a typical appointment, 30 minutes or 45 minutes, it's physically impossible to understand and get all of this context about a patient and then leave enough time to treat the patient, but also educate and reassure the patient. So I started realizing this gap in the system that clinicians did want to address, that, but they just didn't have an outlet to solve that problem. And then we look on the patient side, because it takes a long time for the patient to provide the information, they have to go through multiple interactions with the clinician for the clinician to realize, okay, maybe this person needs psychological help. Maybe this person needs some help with nutrition. Because that takes time, patients then end up taking much longer like we said before, like the three years rather than a year to recover. So I thought, why don't we combine these two? And why don't we use digital health to be able to bridge that patient-practitioner gap? And I think that's pretty much the essence of Fizzy Voice is trying to develop much better, more meaningful relationships between the patient and practitioner so that the practitioner can optimize their time, but the patient can get better faster. Let's get into it. So how, how does it do that? You know, what, what have you built within FizzyVoice that actually allows that to happen or, or facilitates that to happen? FizzyVoice is basically a, a really easy online decision support tool that integrates um, quite easily with existing uh, patient management software like Core Plus. And how it works is it's, it's quite simple. So before a patient even comes in for their appointment, they'll get a quick online form with factors that we know from the research that might affect the patient's progress. And so the patients completes their information. The clinicians then on the back end get a really quick online snapshot, a 30-second snapshot pointing out the red flags that might affect this particular patient. So what it means is that even before the patient comes in, the clinician has quite a clear idea of where to direct the session or the treatment, knowing that certain factors are likely to affect this person. And so it means that the clinician can spend like 50% less time on subjective assessment and history taking and more time doing what he actually loves, which is treating and educating patients. And this means for the patient that they get treatment, targeted treatment from day one that's suited to their lifestyle and needs and preferences. And that is what I wish I had. And I think that I would love for all other patients to have in the future. Well, that's great. And it's great that you've, through your own empathy in terms of what it was like for you as a as a patient, that's led you down the path of actually trying to find a better way now. What I found interesting in what you were just sharing with us there is that you're not just empathising with what it's like to be a patient, but you're also empathising with what it's like to be a practitioner. And looking at it from both those perspectives to try and actually, with getting both of those parties actually into a connected state sooner rather than later, you know, really cultivating, I kind of think of just about how we meet and greet on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, rapport and getting that sense of Comfort, really sort of settling into a relationship is um, pretty key at the best of times, just in terms of friendships and, and what have you, let alone in healthcare. What I take from what you're describing there is that you're actually, you're actually making it faster for a, a practitioner and a patient to get into a productive relationship, you know, an alliance of sorts to actually move them through that journey together. Is that sort of a fair summary? 
Yes, that is. That's a perfect summary. And what we want to do is really build those important relationships quicker, right? Because we know that patients who have better relationships with their practitioners have far better outcomes. They're more likely to adhere to treatment. They're more likely to come back to you as well when there's a future problem. And if I, if we think of the best clinicians that we have had in our lives as well, who are these people that we come and see even five years down the track, right? Um, and, and that's quite rare, but that's something that's so important to that clinician-patient relationship is having those open discussions sooner and being able to monitor progress and really get better together, right? It's a, it's sort of an alliance or this symbiotic relationship is that you want to go on this journey with the patient. Um, and I can imagine how rewarding it is for a clinician as well to really see through a person from the beginning right up to the end, the self-management. The Physic Voice application is aimed at practitioners to implement into their clinical workflows. And that's um, actually dealing with setting up the information that's needed to produce a subjective assessment and then support essentially the patient reported outcome measurement model. And you're using some AI in there as well. So do you want to take us through a little bit at a high level on how this works? How the system really works is that, as you mentioned, as even before the um, patient comes in, um, we get some quick information, some quick data, some analytics on the patient and what their current state is. And this information easily integrated into current clinician workflow because one big barrier that uh, might be an issue is that obviously clinicians are inundated with so many different applications and platforms that we really wanted it to be something that's easy for the clinician to look so that as soon as they log in, they can see it in their case notes itself, for example, that this snapshot is already there and ready as, for example, a PDF, and it shows just all the information about that particular patient. Um, the AI is the next step where we want to have uh, a backend, a platform um, that collects this patient information and it can be used to make predictions over time. So if, if I have come to see um, my physiotherapist, maybe I have come in three or four times and the data is being recorded, it can actually give predictions and clinical recommendations of where the next session might be targeted at, for example. So if the system is showing that I have been logging that I'm, you know, I have been extremely stressed out the last four sessions and that isn't really changing, the recommendation that the system might give is that, oh, maybe this person needs a bit more education around the stress and how to manage that stress. Because if that stress, for example, isn't managed, they're unlikely to do the exercises and that can be tracked on the system as well. So that's, our, of course, our ideal, our future state. That's where Fizzy Voice is aiming to go. But at the, at the current state, we really want to give that quick information to the practitioner to help guide their clinical treatment. Yeah, you describe it in uh, some of your communication literature there as um, bridging the patient-practitioner gap. So you want to actually facilitate that and make that faster. And, and so the system is now facilitating uh, a patient to actually provide information that a practitioner can receive. And then on the back of that, uh, there's a faster pathway towards understanding a more holistic profile of the of the patient and then support some of the decisions that need to be made around the uh, the types of treatments that could be put in place. Our intention is not to replace um, what the clinician's doing because there's no substitute for that. There's no substitute for the relationship a clinician can have with their patient. We only want to provide some support. So some support that's informed by data to actually help that patient. But ultimately, I think the, the best use of the system comes from when the clinician can integrate and understand that information and tailor the treatment accordingly. And, and you're, um, you're hoping that over time you'll be able to develop uh, with the AI support 
an ability to flag or signal when uh, perhaps a parallel type of healthcare service is needed in addition to the primary one that's actually being provided at that point of care. Yes, correct. That's right. And so that's what we want to use the data analytics for is to identify other opportunities for improvement for the patient that will supplement the primary care. So for example, a person receiving physiotherapy treatment, for example, um, but with time, if the system can identify that this person would really benefit from seeing a pain psychologist because the, the patient is chronic, that is something that we want our system to do uh, as it goes with time is to be able to identify, does this person need extra help? in addition to what they're receiving now? And can we optimize this person's recovery process by providing multiple services and multiple points of care? Yeah, I think that's a part that I'm extremely excited about the potential of that. Um, You know how I feel about these things, but the more that we can actually cultivate that kind of, I call it healthcare 360, with the idea being that the patient has, starts a relationship with one point of care. Through that therapy, there's a reveal that other complementary healthcare services are needed. And the healthcare system can start to work together to actually bring in those other practitioner types and actually proactively wrap a team around that individual uh, that supports their particular healthcare goals. Our integration potential with Core Plus and Fizzy Voice uh, has that, um, that kind of design model. It's gonna be exciting to see whether we can actually um, show that and show how easy it is to do technically. And it's more about just helping the culture transform little by little around that. Are you getting any kind of um, feedback with some of the practitioners that you're working with at the moment on collaborations that are forming or that are you kind of just at the point now where you're working through that first part of the journey, which is the the patient and the practitioner and, and getting them going and supporting adherence to, you know, therapy outcomes that they're working on together? Where are you seeing it at the moment? I'm really excited about the potential of Core Plus as well. And I think that's something that I love about the system that a lot of other different systems don't currently support or have is being able to create that healthcare ecosystem is is what I like to call it, is creating that ecosystem around care that you have multiple provider interactions, but can you integrate them into one system and give that holistic and that extra bit of care that's needed for the patient. So personally, that's something that I love about Core Plus and I, I can see that fitting really well with our mission as well with Busy Voice. And right now what we're doing is really trying to nail out our workflow to make sure that practitioners get the best value out of the system and that they can do it easily without having too much cognitive load. Because we want to make sure that the system is very user-friendly and easy for clinicians to access because we don't want to introduce another burden, right, for clinicians. We want it to be a really easy, seamless experience for the practitioners. And so that's what we're really focusing on right now. And that's what we want to get right is adding that value for the clinician first and then getting the patient buy-in as well so that relationship can start. Another thing to point out, I guess, uh, in terms of what I'm, I've observed around uh, your journey with Fizzy Voice is that you are working with allied health, you're working with mental, physical and nutritional health and wellness providers, which is fantastic. And tell me more about why you've chosen those types of practitioners to start with. For me, I have had the most benefit from allied health practitioners, to be completely honest with you, because I've had a lot of different conditions since since I was young, which is unfortunate, but I've been very fortunate to deal with those conditions very well. And I would attribute doing well because of my allied health practitioners. So in particular, my psychologist and the physiotherapist that I've seen. And those two groups are two groups I care about a lot. And I care a lot about integrating the treatment of musculoskeletal health conditions. So chiropractic, myotherapy, physiotherapy, psychological treatment as well. So I love allied health 
clinicians because they have personally helped me the most. And I think they are the types of clinicians that are often overlooked in the healthcare system. Everyone thinks of, you know, I'm going to a doctor, a GP. I mean, doctors are great. They're really useful and they're really needed. But I think moving forward, the value of allied health clinicians is really in supplementing that extra care for the patient that you wouldn't normally get otherwise. And I think that's where I really see the value of allied health is really giving that holistic care to the patient and helping the patient take control of their lifestyle. I think that's something that allied health really helps with is that not just treating the patient as a passive being, right? You're not just here to take a tablet, take medicine, and then your problems will go away. Because that's not the premise of allied health is to empower patients and say, look, this is what's going on, but you also need to take responsibility to get better. And I'm going to give you the tools to do it, but you need to take an effort and put more effort into getting better. And I think that's something that I really love about the area is that you transition a patient from being a passive recipient to an active person thinking about their mental health, thinking about their diet, thinking about their nutrition, and not just thinking about, do I have to take this medicine and all my problems will disappear. Yeah, it, it really, it, it goes to the heart of the uh, client-centered healthcare experience that could be provided. And like you, I'm a very partial and a big fan of um, mental, physical and nutritional health and wellness. Um, it's, it's definitely been where I've gotten all my gains in terms of my own development in uh, optimizing my own health. It's a great sector to be uh, getting behind and supporting. That idea of empowerment, I think, is absolutely key. I think uh, the more we kind of teach ourselves to be responsible for our healthcare, it doesn't mean that we have to be the masters of every known piece of science or knowledge. That's why we have health practitioners, because they're specialists in their particular areas of healthcare. But what we need is to take ownership over what we believe our optimal health state is and surround ourselves with the right experts. And, uh, you know, developing that kind of adherence model is, I think, a big part of it is actually how that rapport gets built, how that alliance and trust gets developed, and then where that person is in their own personal journey using technology above and beyond an appointment, I think is the next wave. We need to continue to move in this direction so that we actually don't treat healthcare as a kind of an appointment-based service. It's actually a continuous experience that could be provided by using digital health tools and technology. And where you're going with Fizzy Voice fits right into that idea of digital health in that context as well. What do you see some other uh, wins coming out of it? I know you've got a bit on your hands at the moment to sort of, you know, work on implementing the model. And, you know, and we've sort of talked about how that healthcare 360 relationship where you've got a network of referrers cooperating around the interests of, um, of a healthcare patient with Core Plus and you've got Fizzy Voice dealing with the practitioner and the uh, patient and the relationship within there as well. You know, what do you think the actual healthcare system benefits will be, you know, if we talk about things like population health management? You know, is there some insights you can share with us there? Yes, definitely. I think the, the real advantage, like you mentioned, with digital health is being able to incorporate all of this data into actionable insights, which will then eventually help with driving policy, will help with reforming the healthcare system as well. And that is something really important and really interesting that Busy Voice is excited to be a part of, as well as a, a lot of other companies that we're seeing now. are Really what they're doing essentially is building up this database of population level statistics so we can start making better predictions and better decisions on a higher level of where the healthcare system should be going. So the, the way I really envision, I guess, the future is having these health ecosystems or a, a digital concierge, for example, to help people with chronic conditions. And I think that's where this data is going to be most useful because we know that the number of people who have chronic conditions is increasing. 
right? And and we know that in Australia as well, conditions like asthma, conditions like chronic pain um, are, are becoming mental health conditions are increasing. And we know that usually a person doesn't have just one of them. They usually have one or two or three conditions. And so building up this database, having all these analytics is going to really help target treatment for people with chronic conditions. And so the way, the way I see it is in the future, for example, if we had um, had a particular patient, um, you know, let's call her Susie, as a case study, is all this data is there for her to make better decisions and to manage her condition. So all this data is coupled with actionable insights. So we apply AI to this data and we can see what actions that Susie and also her caregivers and also her practitioners need to take in order for her to get better and manage her lifestyle. So imagine all of this data being connected, for example, with your transportation or your ride sharing service. It's all on the system. Before your appointment, your car is already outside, right? She can get in, go to the doctor. Doesn't need to go to reception. There's already a self-check-in because you're registered on the system. Once the appointment is over, the caregiver or someone else gets a phone call to do a check-in and she gets a message onto her phone, fill out this form, tell us about your experience, and that will go in, back into the data to monitor her condition. So that is what I'm super excited about, and I hope that this is where things are going, is that patients like that with conditions can find it so much easier to have a better quality of life. The idea there is that, you know, the, the healthcare system is cooperating, it's working together closely. So a patient experience is not clunky or isolated, almost like self-concierging, because I think that's kind of been the traditional model is we have to kind of figure it out for ourselves in some ways. I mean, once we actually start receiving services from one healthcare provider, that informs the way that we're going to expect things to run because they've got their own sort of process. But then if we have to move to another point of care, there's this massive gap and it's kind of like you're starting again. And probably one of the most poignant examples of that is that complaint, that kind of pain point that a lot of uh, prospective patients have uh, is filling in that form each and every time they start the journey with uh, with a new provider. I mean, that's just like one really low-hanging fruit pain point that um, digital health could play a big a big role in actually improving that because your, your data is your data and, and if it moves with you through the healthcare system because the healthcare system is capable of actually receiving that information electronically in advance, you know, I love that term concierge that you use as an example, that then starts to heighten the experience and the level of satisfaction that an individual is getting in engaging with the healthcare system. I think, you know, it sort of elevates the whole standard across the, the system of healthcare as opposed to the work that can be done within an individual practice or a clinic in of itself. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's where the, the, the vision and the thought leadership needs to go and, and also start to see some of the innovation move in that direction. Technical capability to do it is in part already here and it's a matter of actually just seeing those healthcare models start to, to work where that, the idea, I guess, the mindset of actually saying, hey, what if we weren't trying to just grow our healthcare business to be multidisciplinary and have all the disciplines under one roof? Because that, that's going to take time. It always does. You, you know, there's risk, there's capital, there's, you've got to grow to a certain level. It, it takes time to grow a business. Whereas other practices and clinics in the surrounding area specialize in different areas. And so if you think outside the box, you can actually form an alliance and a cooperative amongst those uh, peers where collectively between all the healthcare providers, there's enough resources to make sure that um, all the specializations are actually supported. And now it's about actually just bringing the journey of that patient through that healthcare system. The resources are there, you know, just, it's, it's sort of an, it's, it's an open source thing. That's, that's the way we would describe it in technology terms. It's, 
It's not trying to do it all yourself. It's actually cooperating with other parties. Does that idea resonate with you at all in terms of how we might pragmatically be able to achieve that? Yeah, definitely. So I, I really definitely agree with the fact that as a business, as a, as a clinic, not having to become the specialist in everything, you know, you don't need an in-house. It's expensive as well, having an in-house specialist for every single possible thing. You don't have to. But what you do need is the ability to recognize when someone needs that specialty and therefore you are the you, you are the catalyst for encouraging that person to go to the other specialist which you may not have in-house but being able to facilitate that connection it's another gap that is being bridged the, the common theme that i'm seeing here is bridging all the gaps in the healthcare system is that you don't have to develop the capabilities yourself you only need the ability to recognize when the additional capability is required and therefore have a system where you can refer on a patient. And the, the way I see it is that doing that will retain the patient in the practice more, right? Because if you're part of a practice that is invested not, in, not just in helping you for the particular condition that you came in with, but a practice that is actually invested in you as a person, as a patient, and is invested in you getting better, not just for the next three or four months so you will just come to our practice, but so that you will become a more empowered patient. I really believe that that patient is more likely to stick with you forever and also refer other people to come to you because you would say, hey, look, I, I went to this particular clinic and look at all the benefit I've gotten from it. My, my back is better, but it's not just my back. I, I'm now more empowered to take care of all these other things in my life that I should have been doing in the first place. And so that's where I really want to see the healthcare system going is that patients are taken care of in multiple different aspects. And, and I think I think it is that um, that systemization that would really really help that idea. It's not as if it doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen universally. It's kind of uh, there are different subsets of it occurring. I mean, we can see, for example, when you go to a GP and you get referred off to a, uh, you know for an X-ray, for example, that concierging is is built in, particularly around testing. And we're starting to see the the movements in the disability sector, uh, for example, under the NDIA, where that um, organisations uh, recognising that they can't provide all of the support services that might be uh, required for a participant under the NDIS. And so there are cooperatives being formed in that area. So your kind of your vision is kind of about this kind of universal uh, orchestration, so to speak, that starts with, and I think the way you put it earlier, which I think is really solid, being notified or having some kind of trigger that says. This uh, information that we've received now strongly suggests that we should actually refer this person to another point of care in addition to providing the care that we can help with at this point in time. Did I, did I get that right? Yes, that, that's exactly right. It's using the data that we have as an early intervention tool almost so that this person doesn't, doesn't turn, for example, from acute to chronic. Even that, because someone who has an acute condition, if certain things are not picked up earlier on in the system, that condition can turn into chronic. Or if a per person has come in with a chronic condition, can we shorten that time? And the answer is yes, because by collecting this data from a patient, you're able to see which, which points of care are most required. And then having that ability to refer on is, of course, the icing on the cake. It certainly is wholly aligned with uh, what we've been trying to achieve both within uh, Core Plus in terms of connecting those other providers uh, electronically, seamlessly, securely, privately, to encourage the referral, to really facilitate it nice and easy. But at the end of the day, if the clinical workflow doesn't warrant the referral, it's probably not going to happen. It needs to be part of the culture. It needs to be this sort of a, a systemized way of actually doing things. So 
I can see how a fizzy voice would play a role in doing that uh, because it's not just dealing one-to-one between the practitioner and the patient, but it has the opportunity then to trigger and facilitate or signal when the right time is then to bring another practitioner in and to look into the overall healthcare system to be able to identify who that party is. So if a psychologist is uh, engaging with uh, with a patient for the first time, the system identifies that um, there could be some uh, nutritional uh, guidance or, or support that could be needed or physical uh, therapy in some form, the psychologist can then use that as an on-referral and use the information to support that on-referral whilst continuing to provide their, their own therapy as expected with whatever conditions are relevant to that, you know, to that psychologist and that patient. That's kind of a more tangible, pragmatic example of what we're describing here. Is that right? That's definitely where, where we want to go in the future. And I think the, the trick would be in terms of existing patient management software, right? How can we leverage what's there already to support these functionalities? And I think that's very important because we want to be a system that clinicians uh, don't have to do, have too much effort to use it because that can already be a barrier and a difficulty for a clinician to use. And I think that's the, the beauty of integrating, for example, with Core Plus because that functionality is already there in the system. And so clinicians don't have to work too hard to think, oh, this is what I can use to refer on my patient. Having that frictionless experience, I think will be will be crucial to adoption. If it's too hard technically or, or there's a fear or resistance in actually using it, it's very difficult to actually change the culture at that point in time. So definitely keeping it keeping it as seamless and integrated as possible and small changes for the practitioner so that it's not a massive change in the way that they do things, just sort of iterative change. And then evidence, of course, that this is working. That's something we didn't really go into detail, but in terms of the, the patient reported outcome measures, Tell us a little bit more about Fizzy Voice and that particular area. Yes, Jan. So our, uh, the patient reported outcome measures um, that we collect are quite standardized at this point because we want to have a, a reliable set of data that, that can be used over time and so that this patient's progress can actually be, be tracked and it's not just a one-off. Um, we're able to collect reliable data on certain lifestyle factors, for example, that might affect the patient. So we collect information on on a variety of things, um, but a lot of it's really related to a person's lifestyle and their preferences. How do they exercise? Do they like to exercise? Do they not do it at home? Do they understand their imaging that they've had? And a, a lot of the outcome measures we focus on are really central to whether a patient will actually adopt the treatment that the clinician is prescribing. So they're, they're not specifically related to, for example, um, let's say physiotherapy or chiropractic or psychology, but they're, they're universal factors that we know from the research that can impede whether a person actually takes up the treatment. Um, so though we collect those very standardized, standardized measures, like six of them, and then from that information, a clinician's really able to understand which of the factors might affect whether a person takes up the treatment or not. And, and that's the key that we want to flag in the system is that, look, this person might have X, Y, Z factors that might prevent them from following through. And if the clinician knows this beforehand, the clinician is able to say, okay, look, let's address these up front with the patient. Ask them why. One of the bane of practice managers' life is dealing with no-shows or dealing with trying to keep the, the book you know, moving along, keep it, keep it full. Nobody likes having um, a belief that in two days' time they've got a full day and then showing up on the day and there's been three cancellations. There's always been this sort of background notorious problem to solve, which is how do we deal with, with cancellations? How do we deal with no-shows? 
And um, different practices use different methodologies, waiting lists and what have you. It's quite an arduous task. Uh, there's a lot of admin uh, in it. But from a prediction standpoint, if you're already pre-qualifying that a patient is unlikely to persevere or, or, or follow through with um, the recommendations and the therapy, it'd be good to know that, wouldn't it, right up front? Oh, definitely. And that's something that I have gotten a lot of feedback from talking with clinicians myself. And when I say, what are the biggest frustrations you experience? And this is something that comes up really often is that clinicians don't know why a particular patient is not following through or doesn't turn up. And I think that uncertainty can really, really mess with your, like, it, it's it's tough, like not knowing, because knowing is better than not knowing, right? Even if, even if, you know that this person is not coming because of X reason, you can make your peace with that. That's fine. But having that information up front will help you then become a touch point to engage with them again. So for example, if we see a patient after three times hasn't turned up, right? After three sessions hasn't turned up, but we know that the data is saying that this particular thing is probably the reason why they're not coming. It gives the clinic another way to engage with the patient. And you say, hi, we haven't seen you, you know, for the last three weeks. How are things going with you? Are you okay? And I think that patient engagement is so crucial because oftentimes patients don't come in not because they don't want to. It's because there are other things that are going on in their sociocultural environment that are impeding them from doing so. If the clinic is able to get that information and be more proactive in their approach, we can make sure that the retention is higher. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that draws on, uh, I was having a discussion with a number of uh, psychologists over the last few days. In a variety of different experiences, there's a common thread that um, uh, in telehealth right now, particularly through, through the lockdown phase in Australia's uh, recent history, patients have indeed wanted to use telehealth and uh, video calls to engage, but they couldn't actually find a quiet space. They couldn't find a safe space to actually be able to do that because there were members of the, of the household that perhaps weren't aware that they were in therapy. And that's something that perhaps you wouldn't pick up unless there was a data point or some sort of um, ability to engage with the patient to discover that. So uh, that's just one sort of, you know, thing that popped up in my head as you were talking about, you know, all the myriad of different reasons why somebody may not show up or may not continue or adhere to the program, which is very frustrating for practitioners who really care about the outcome and really want, want to support that person to achieve that goal. As the technology and the digital health tools uh, progress, the ability to either predict that with a high degree of reliability and certainty, or alternatively, if not a prediction, to be able to highlight a potential one or two or three reasons, which would make for a very good conversation. It would be a, a pretty cool thing to happen if my practitioner rang me up, for example, and said, hey, I'm a little bit worried because of A, B or C that you're not coming in. And I just go, wow, how did they know that? That would be incredible. And all of a sudden you're talking through it, you're opening up, you're starting to reveal, you know, what, what the actual issues are. And then obviously that, that practice can flex around what arrangements need to be made in order to, to help me sort of continue on the journey. There's some really, really exciting stuff there. And uh, I could talk about this stuff for, for absolute ages, but I wanted, I wanted to sort of just uh, cover off before we, um, we finish up today. And I think you, in a way you already, you already have kind of addressed this, but I like to kind of project forward, you know, five years, give or take. What's healthcare going to be like, uh, Ravini? If you get your way, what's it going to be like? Tell us. Well, that, that, that's amazing. Just I can daydream about this um, forever. But I think that the way I see things going in, in five and ten years, the, the way I really want to see the healthcare system is that it, it's an integrated system with multiple points of contact, but they're all centralised and focused 100% on the patient user experience. So 
for the way I see a patient in the future is that the patient knows exactly what they need to do to take care of their lifestyle, improve their quality of life, because they have buy-in from all of their practitioners who know them really well. They have the support of their caregivers, that network, and their health, wellness, financial, all of these other elements of their life in place as well. So that's where I really see the future and the vision for healthcare is, like I said before, is that digital concierge, right? So that the patient feels empowered and is able to take action every day to manage their lifestyle and is actually happy doing that. And that all of the practitioners and caregivers in that network are all informed, all know what's going on. And that's the real vision that I see for the future is that a patient doesn't have to feel stressed and frustrated and disappointed in the system and that the patient is truly able to feel empowered and feel like they're productive members of society because that's where you want to go when patients feel disempowered and feel neglected it really limits their capability to contribute to the society as well and what i want to see is all of these patients who have chronic conditions feel that they're able to now take their next step and follow their dreams as well and rather than being stuck in one place without having that care because Healthcare is a fundamental need, and without that, you can't achieve self-actualization, right? So what I want to see is that all the patients feel supported, they feel this way, and after taking care of their health, they're now able to pursue their dreams. Oh, that's fantastic. That's, that's great vision. I love the uh, digital concierge and the idea that the patient is empowered and the system is empowered as a result of that because they're both working together. I love it. Thank you, Ravini Abbey. Appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming in and having a chat about uh, Fizzy Voice and your vision for digital health. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Yanni. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.